Hey, Moo Frere. Want to know more about vein disease but not be bored to death? Well, you've come to the right place. Join us as we talk about all kinds of things, including vascular disease, advice, comedy, and of course, business growth. I'm your host, Brian Sapp. Hey, Moo Frere. This is Brian Sapp from the Hey, Moo Frere podcast. This episode is brought to you by doc to doc Lending. Doc2Doc Lending provides personal loans to physicians and dentists at rates that make sense. Apply in under five minutes at doc2doclending.com. Hey, Moo Frere, this is Brian with the Hey, Moo Frere podcast. It is my pleasure to have Jill Somerset. Me, she's a good friend of mine. Uh, we've both serve on the board of the Society for Vascular Ultrasound, but she's been doing a lot of great stuff for the society for many years. She's a force to be reckoned for with in the vascular realm. Uh, she's made crossroads into interventional radiology, interventional cardiology, making groundbreaking research and changing the world through blonde hair, giggles, and glasses. So, uh, Jill, it is a pleasure to have you here. Welcome to the, welcome to the podcast. Gosh, thanks, Brian, so much for having me. It is a pleasure to to be here talking with you. As you know, I'm a big fan, and we always have such a great time together. So I'm excited to have this conversation. Yeah, when she says we have a great time, that means that uh, I talk shit and I get in trouble. I, I push people's buttons at conferences, and she sits back and laughs, and then we drink about it, I think, on following days. But uh, Jill's great. She pushes me, and uh, she pushes everybody, and that's good. But you push people in a much, I think it may be you're prettier. You get away with it better than I do. You laugh better than I do. I piss a lot of people off and she makes a lot of people happy, but we have a lot of synergy. Uh, uh, we both are passionate and I, I love your passion. I think that's the thing that, that draws me to every conversation I have with you is awesome. So with that, I want to introduce the world and most people know who you are, but a lot of maybe my, my audience is so small. They don't know anybody. They don't even know who the hell I am yet. Um, <laughs> so, Jill, tell me a, a little bit about your background. Like, what? Where did you go to high school? Where did you grow up? And how did you get started on this on this journey of yours? And then we're going to dive deep into your your research and stuff. Great. Uh, yeah. So, I grew up in Portland, Oregon, and went to school at Pacific Lutheran University in Tacoma, Washington. And right out of uh, college, I went into vascular ultrasound at uh, 20 years old and was lucky enough to be trained by Pacific Vascular in Seattle. They have a really fantastic program to train techs and get them out into the field. And it really was a really perfect fit for me. I, I love patient care. So I did vascular ultrasounds right out of college and worked at the University of Washington on the Crest Trial and then found uh, ourselves back in Hood River because of our love and passion for windsurfing and mountain biking and skiing. And that was the transition point to then work at Peace Health, thoracic and vascular surgery for the last 12 years. And, you know, I primarily work with uh, vascular surgeons and that particular group is so fantastic. We we had QA sessions every Friday and I learned to think like a surgeon and perhaps that was some of the passion and drive around, um, we'll talk about PAT, but I think the collaboration, whether you work with IR, IC, vascular surgery is incredible and we need to have more of it because as all of our uh, vascular sonographers know, we can provide so much information if we know what they want. And we really are a team because specifically in the limb preservation area, 
it takes a village to save these limbs. Oh yeah, absolutely. So I, you know, I do some consulting work and one of my, I actually quit working with a group because the doctor did not want his sonographers in during the procedure. And I thought it was such a philosophically poor decision on his part. I was like, I'm not going to be affiliated unless you put a sonographer in the room because in his fear, and I do think this is an issue. His fear, I think, was that if they gained too much knowledge, that they can go do what I've done or what you you do. And it's a threat. And, 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 you know, I had Mark Whiteley on a couple episodes ago and, and he embraced his sonographer being as good as they can be. And he actually said, they've made my career. And I think having physicians that are collaborative and understanding that they realize that you bring so much value to the organization. And if they embrace it, they're still getting paid four times full. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. (laughs) Then we're not going to take the money from them. I don't think that's going to happen. Although I'm trying, but the deal is, is like, you know, give them some, give you some shine. Like you should have shine in your office. You're, you have made peace health or whatever you're at nationally, internationally recognized because of the work that you've done. Not, not necessarily I'm, I don't know your specifics, but your doctors have some input in it. But I think you should have the credit and that should be the shine on you. Anyway, I digress. Well, I, I do think it is. It's a mutual respect that is uh, really powerful. And I <laughs> I probably drive people crazy, Brian, because I get so excited about oh, the graphs down. Let's, let's change the procedure. Let's do something else. So there's an energy and a passion that perhaps is, you know, welcomed because, you know, the daily grind gets tired. So I, I think that mutual respect is huge and I'd love to see more of it throughout the world. Yeah. I, I often tell people I have a five year, like, I think my first marriage lasted five and a half years. So I'm like, I'm good for five and a half years and people get tired of it. Like I wear them. <laughs> I've been married to Tina for 15 years. So she's gotten tired of me, didn't like me for five years. And now she loves me again. So it's, it's, you know, <laughs> but you have to have that passion. Like if nobody has the passion, then it's just a crap job, mm-hmm. you know? So it's hard. So, all right, I gotta, I gotta walk you back. Cause you're younger than I am. You can tell by your face, you know, when I was in high school, there wasn't even vascular ultrasound in Georgia. So like, how did you know, like, even from a young age, like, how did you pick vascular? Did you have somebody that you knew or did you just look in a catalog or what, what happened? Uh, it was just coincidence. Actually, I probably skipped the step about doing cardiac rehab right after college. And uh, one of my colleagues, wife, who I got to learn and um, be friends with did vascular ultrasound for Pacific vascular. So there was a connection point. So I only did cardiac rehab for about six months and then uh, just happened to be at the right place in the right time, know the right people. And that's, that's how I got there. Okay. That's awesome. Okay. There's always, I got to figure out these connections because I think our field is one of those things where routinely it'll show up on the top list of, (laughs) of jobs. And people, you know, oh, I want to become a vascular sonographer. They have no idea what it is and and how difficult it is. So, all right. So you're working now. I know at Pacific Vascular, like, I don't think. So when, when during your journey, did you go, hmm, you know, we, we, we map out the brains, the, the arteries in the brain. Why don't we do the foot? Why do we stop at the ankle? Like, when did that hit? Were you drinking whiskey one night or what What happened? Tell me the story. I wish the story was that good. <laughs> well, so, wait, you're from you're from Oregon, so they might have been eating some mushrooms or. 
Sorry, I had to. Ricky or a Portland weird. Yeah, so it was in 2017. I actually went down to Roseburg to watch a friend of mine. He's an interventional cardiologist, Dr. Howard Feldman. And he was pretty progressive. And uh, so I was going down there to teach the cath lab staff how to image the common femoral artery for access and whatnot. But I watched him do this kind of forward progressive procedure with an anti-grade stick down the anterior tibial artery. And he put a wire and balloon around the pedal arch and I, my jaw just about dropped. And I thought, I've never seen this before. And uh, so afterwards we're having dinner and I, I said, how do you know that's even going to stay open? And he's like, well, I don't, if the wound heals, then maybe it is. And the light bulbs just went off and I actually left, went, drove three hours straight to the vascular lab and scanned my own foot. And I thought, holy shit, I can see my own pedal vessels. And I just started discovering all of the vessels in the foot, because as we know, we always stop at the ankle. And um, so I have a journal and I started scanning every patient's foot, whether I was scanning them for veins or whatever. I looked at their pedal vessels. I captured velocity, acceleration time, flow volume. I did ratios. And I was on, I was on a path to find something and acceleration time turned to be out the most sensitive. That's awesome. No, no. I mean, I think it's all about, I mean, it was sitting, the, the, the crazy thing is it's been sitting there for thousands of vascular sonographers to discover mm-hmm. and you just had your eyes open and the right situation. I think it's fascinating. I think it's awesome. I think that's what makes vascular ultrasound so dynamic is I've been in it 25 years and I tell people all the time, I didn't know shit for 12 years or I did. I did. I thought I knew shit, but I, really, I, yeah. I was talking to JP Hughes the other day and, and uh, we had dinner and I was like, yeah, I killed people the first five years. Like I, I hate to say that I killed people. I didn't kill them knowingly. I just missed like we didn't image muscular caffeines at that time. That's why I wrote the paper in 2014. Cause I was like, God almighty, why aren't they teaching? And still to this day, and it still bothers me, Jill, IAC doesn't require muscular caffeines to be imaged. Yeah. And I'm like, the data is human. I think in my study, if you didn't image the muscular caffeines, you missed 54% of the DVTs. That oh, we that's incredible. Over, that's over a nine year period of time. So wow. it wasn't like a quick study. It was a nine years, 13,000 exams, but it's still not. So anyway, I digress. So, all right. Now you're talking now. I, I know you teach all over the place. You teach uh, and you, you're you, you're <laughs> you're kind of like me. The first rule of business is to say yes. Right. So you <laughs> interventional cardiology comes to you and says, hey, I want to learn this. You're like, yeah. Interventional radiology. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, so, so, I mean, talk about that, because I think a lot of people in the vascular world are so, like vascular is that child it's like it's so niche that we feel like we're getting attacked from all sides from everybody but the reality is you have to have a collaborative like you have to like okay if you're treating pelvic veins like most vascular surgeons don't do pelvic immobilization so it's not like you just bull crap it does it doesn't exist you befriend the ir guy and you let him do it right so talk about that and kind of the evolution of your I, I think the stars aligned actually, because I have this deep passion for limb preservation. And, you know, for five years at Peace Health, I, I led a multidisciplinary limb salvage program. And that was right as PAT was being discovered. And it just all made sense. And so 
fast forward to my teaching, I teach all around the world because there is this need to to decrease amputations. And therefore, we know that IR, IC, vascular surgery, we are all in this space. And the one commonality is vascular ultrasound, in my opinion. And that is why I think it the stars aligned because no matter who is trying to save a limb, I believe that they need this new diagnostic tool, which is pedal acceleration time. And what I found actually is that I teach around the world far more than I teach in the U.S. because there's a lot of physicians or vascular specialists who do their own ultrasound. And for them, this technique is amazing. So I think that the world around the U.S. is much more progressive than, and we'll get there, but we still are, you know, relying on PVR and ABIs and, and TBIs, which is great. I just, I think that everyone's waiting for more research and we'll, we'll get there. It just takes a lot of time and resources, but uh, we have a lot of things in the works that I think will be very fruitful for implementing this as more of a standard everyday practice test. Yeah. I mean, so I think, I think it is going to make it, there needs to be more research. What's frustrating for me is like, I know of, and I'm not going to name the facility. It's a, it's a university facility. They have the largest grant right now for peripheral arterial disease. They got like a $3 million grant. They don't treat below the knee. Oh, wow. They don't do, they don't do any critical limb ischemia. They don't do any pedal access. They don't, they do traditional bypass grafts, treating big, uh, and they may go below the knee, but not much. They're not going, they're not doing pedal access. And so it's, it's, you're, you're correct. Internationally, I think the other thing is ultrasound machines are pretty cheap now and anybody can have a duplex, even if it's a sonocyte or. A, yeah. Oh yeah. Or whatever. They can take that and use that in a third world country where you can't take anything else. Yeah. Oh, I was just in uh, Chiapas, Mexico with a group doing uh, cases and I'm on a small GE laptop system. And I think, you know, I want to talk more about the ultrasound world because I do feel like there needs to be another advancement in um, like the scale needs to drop more, you know, where I'm pushing the boundaries of the ultrasound system. And so I, it's like a call to action for, for ultrasound companies to rise up a little bit. And we, we're looking at such small vessels with such low flow that sometimes we're at the boundaries of the limit, you know, the limitations of the system. Have you, uh, and I, I just thought of this right now, you know, cause I, I my original specialty was blind TCD. Mm-hmm. Have you ever applied a, brown, a blind TCD to the foot? <laughs> I have <laughs> the Spencer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cause yeah. I, I was just thinking like, yeah, that'd be interesting too, because you'd have depth and I don't know if you'd have to figure that out, but I wonder, you know, on some of these legs, they're not the easiest to scan. True. Yeah. Well, a lot of feet actually are not too bad to scan, but I did, I did use uh, TCD in the early days to see if I could see that the, the megahertz is too low. So, you know, on average, it's like a 10 megahertz probe in the foot. Gotcha. Okay. All right. And then uh, have you had, do you get pushback? I mean, do you have anybody, I'm sure, you know, whenever you do something that's different, one sign that you're doing things well is people don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) Have you had some of that negative energy in the space or is pretty much everybody open? 
pretty much everyone's open because of curiosity. And that's why I'm a yes woman. I will always say yes to training or conversation or teaching because once I share the information and actually teach them, they think, oh my gosh, this is amazing. Now, we have to remember that PAT is not perfect. There is definitely limitations and that I am very forthcoming about that. So there's no people, people don't, they understand what the limitations are, but I think more of the pushback, Brian, is actually that I, now I'm saying we need to do more in the arterial duplex. So not only do you have to do ABI, TBI as a full arterial duplex, now you have the image of the foot. <laughs> And, and we've, we're, we've got a problem because we don't have enough time allocation to perform the study. We need a, a resource to, to teach PAT. So right now you can find this educational course on um, handleit.com. That is a Latin America-based educational platform. And it's 75 bucks and you get you know a full day's course. And aside from that, it's just me. So there's you know, we need to develop a learning platform um, that's more readily available and accessible. But with that comes a validation, right? You, I want to validate everyone to make sure they understand how to utilize the technique and understand pedal flow, hemodynamics and anatomy. It's, it's like TCD. It can be really complicated. Yeah, no. And it can be like venous reflux where somebody teaches it wrong and, <laughs> Or teases it differently, and uh, you got a division halfway up and down the, yeah. the of how to use it. And then I think there's also people who are resistant to change. They're like, no, I like my my exactly. total brachial. I mean, I use I use physio- physiologic testing. I will tell you, I don't do PAT in my office, but I'm primarily a vein clinic. We do some arterial work, but if I have scanned some feet, though, I've scanned them after you came to Atlanta and did a talk in our thing. I, I scanned it. I just don't live in that world. Have you made any inroads on schools? Like, because I, I still think it's fascinating that Venus insufficiency has been around for 20 years. Most schools don't teach it. Yeah. Isn't that incredible? <laughs> it's, it's ridiculous, really. And so I can imagine arterial duplex, again, if you want people to adopt it, even physiologic testing, they don't. I mean, most people I talk to, they go, yeah, I did one at my clinical site. And then you have different places. You have people who say, oh, you don't need to do four cuff. You can only do three cuff or you can do PVRs. You don't need to do segmental pressures or you do segmental pressures, no PVRs. I mean, there's all these different ways and I use all the tools, but there's a lot of places they just like, no, this is how we do it. And why? I don't know why. It's just how I was told to do it. Yeah. Well, you bring up a great point about schools and and early education. So I've been brought into some great programs like Rush to be a guest speaker and then some local schools on the West Coast. And we do we're a, a site for bringing students in and teaching them. And it's awesome. However, now that student goes out to a vascular lab with their senior tech and they say, oh, I can do PhD. And the senior tech's like, mm hmm. We don't, we don't do that. We don't, we do, don't that do that here in Missouri. We just cut the legs off. Like, so, you know, how, how do you sort that out? And I think it's with time and, you know, with SVU, we do live scanning and talk about PAT. I, I always say, I think it needs another five years of just people just need a slow entry to this technique. And funny enough, I have more relationships with physicians 
about PAT that then ask their tech. So I had to decide, do you go after the tech, the sonographer world or the physician world first? And I chose the physicians. I have a a huge presence on Twitter and talk about PAT because the physicians have to know and, and want it. And then they ask their techs and then they bring me into lecture to their techs. So, you know, I'm doing my best. It's a fun journey. And whether my approach was right or wrong, it's I'm just trying to do uh-huh. what's right. I think you made the right decision. I, I think financially you made the right decision as well. Like sonographers don't have any money. I mean, I can't even get people to, to join the SVU to join. <laughs> you know, it's funny. I, 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 I'm going to go on a soapbox real quick. I provide a membership for all my employees, yeah. awesome. but there's so many people who they can come out of school to your degree. Sometimes people for you, it depends where you're at, be a registered master sonographer. You know, we start at $30, $35 an hour. So people are making 60000 bucks coming out of school. They can be 23 years old. Most of them, I've been doing this for 25 years. My lowest grossing year was 65000 And that was, you know, with all the call and all that stuff mm-hmm. you do. But to think I would, I can't pay 140 bucks a year to learn or yeah. to invest in myself. Right. But that's the mentality is people don't want to spend $140 to invest in their own career. And it's like, okay. And then they get pissed because they're like, oh, Brian thinks he knows. We had a discussion on whether you Doppler with the flow or with the vessel. And half half my lab was this way and half. And I was like, you need to go to a, how about you go to a conference? Yeah, I I can't highlight your point enough because, well, I'm the chair of the annual meeting and you got to come. I mean, we are trying to put forth great provocative conversations, new, new criteria content. It's a place where we should be proud of our society for supporting us and being an advocate for reimbursement. And, you know, it's not just about the journal, but it's also about connections. I mean, heck, that's where, that's where you and I met. Yeah. Uh, And you you develop these lifelong, you know, friendships and collegial relationships that are really amazing. Well, and when I first started going and I didn't mean to take this talk this way, when I first started going, I was like, man, there's a bunch of snobs. I know. I remember you told me that. <laughs> I, no, but but the reality was half of that was on me. Half of that was on me. Half of that, I was insecure. I was from a small, no-name vascular lab. I had all these ideas in my brain, but, you know, I saw these, and they're gods. You know, when you go, the first time you go, when people, and this is the thing, I mean, like, my wife, I take out the damn trash in my house. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> If somebody was to come, they're brand new and they go, oh, Brian, you know, I'm nobody. But to that person, their perception's skewed and you're just and that's the hardest part with the association. It took me a long time to get involved and I had to just keep on going and keep on going. And finally, I feel like I still feel like an outsider to some people there. And it's just difficult. And a, a lot of it is people develop their own friendships. But I do think the SVU joining the SVU was a very smart decision on my end. I've learned way more than I've given to the organization, but I think a lot of people just don't, they just sit at home. They, and you just don't even realize, even if you go to a meeting and you go, ah, oh, that meeting was okay. You don't realize what you absorb through osmosis and through mm-hmm. casual conversations yes. in between. And you don't know relationship wise where you seven years down the road, you know, like I said, I had dinner with JP Hughes and for years, we would we never talked to each other. It was kind of like, hey, JP, how you doing? Hey, Brian, how you doing? But we didn't have any commonality. We sat at dinner and we actually had a conversation about football and life and 
vascular. Mm-hmm. But as in, and he asked why he hadn't been a guest yet. And I said, you're not as pretty as Jill. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> for you, JP. <laughs> but no, I mean, and, and the thing is that there's a lot of great people doing stuff all over the country. Uh, and you're one of those. So, so all right. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to get in touch. So, so talk about what your, what's your plans? How do you, how do you navigate the polit- politics between IR, interventional cardiology and vascular? Do you have guys that are like, I don't believe, I mean, a lot of vascular guys are cardiologists shouldn't be doing vascular whatsoever. Do you have that? Do you come across that? How do you handle it? You know? Oh, I I hope it's a thing of the past. And this is why Twitter is so great because you have ICIR vascular surgery all on Twitter talking about cases. And I think they all bring a different skill set and perspective. And if we can work together and gosh, we're just doing what's right for the patient. And I feel like I've seen a shift in the less contention and more collaboration and teamwork for sure. And that's really, that's awesome. And now I just want to see, you know, vascular sonographers being added to that mix to be part of the team. And, and I think we're, we're getting there. You know, I, I, I want to, would love to push for more multidisciplinary programs in these institutions by bringing in the vascular technologists. You know, we, we're on the forefront too. We're part of the team. So uh, no matter who you work for, we're all just doing our best. Sure. Now, um, have you ever thought about going off on your own? <laughs> uh, well, I have I'm going to get her in trouble. I know. I know. Look, no, I'm, a, I'm a partner in a practice and I think there's absolutely value. If I, I'll be honest with you, Jill, if I was a if I was an interventional radiologist or an interventional cardiologist, I'd just come out of fellowship. I would, or maybe I'd spent, you know, 10 years and I was tired of taking call or tired of the bureaucracy. I would partner with you. I'd say, Hey, come on, let's do this together. And listen, I've made my doc a lot of money, mm-hmm. a lot of money. And I think you'd make a doctor a lot of money. I'm not, I'm not, I, I want a fee if this happens, <laughs> yeah. but I do think, I mean, I think the the days are gone, are gone that the ultrasound is that important. I mean, so you bring, I'll tell you why I would strategically partner with you because you bring the experience, not only to, to teach him or bring her and you could have a power, power female group to bring them up to speed, but you have the ability to teach all the other people that you need to bring, to come along with. I just think that that's uh, an element that a lot of people don't look at it that way. I know I'm one of those lone wolves out there and, and a lot of people like I'll, I'll give you an example. I had a guy I did consulting with and he considered giving me 5% of his company if I joined him. Mm-hmm. Now I had tripled his volume, tripled his size of his business in three years. So I had already proven myself. Like I'd already proven. Wow. wow. He went from in nine years, he had one and a half sonographers. And in three years with me, he had seven and he had 12,000 square foot facility. OBL I had a second practice. IAC accredited whole nine yards. I'd already yeah. proved myself. And he goes, I can't give you 5%. Now, since I've stopped working with him and he's a good friend of mine, he's a great friend of mine. Since I've stopped working with him, with my other guy who hadn't, we started from zero, literally started from, from a room, the size of this office. And, uh, we now have 37 employees. We'll have four locations. Well, you are, you are a unicorn. I mean, that's no, really no, 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 but I don't think so. I think you're the same unicorn. And I think if somebody's smart, they will grab a hold of the unicorn and, and not be threatened by your, your brilliance or your passion or your drive and say, you know what, you know, what? a strong horse 
Yeah, they need somebody to ride them. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> just, just, just get on, take the ride. And so I think that's, that should be your next move. So I'm going to have Jill, Jill Somerset needs her own clinic. Come on. I, I just want a uh, 2% commission, <laughs> but uh, so well, you know what? Maybe that's in my future. Uh, right now, I uh, I got my head down. We're doing research and for no money. <laughs> no, but I know. I, I know. I'm just throwing it out there. I, just, but I, I see it, Brian. I see it. I uh, I work for Dr. Constantino. She is a incredible interventional radiologist who runs her own OBL. And um, gosh, we have such an incredible working relationship and friendship. But um, but as there's expansion, I, I can see it. And I, I appreciate the thoughts. You know, it's... um. Sometimes I feel like our own self-worth isn't enough. Well, and so and sometimes it's not about it's not about the money necessarily. A lot of it's about the passion. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, I was when I left my last employer, I was paid top one percent in our profession. I didn't take call. Mm-hmm. I had an easy job. Mm-hmm. I got to do what I wanted, kind of, but we didn't philosophically believe the same. And I think that. It, my heart was the one that was like, I didn't plan on making a lot of money. And, and believe me, the first three years, I didn't make a lot of money. I was hustling all over, t- all over the, the nation, trying to cover my bills. And now we've, we've, we're doing okay, really good, but okay. But the deal was, it was more about, I wanted to go to work every day, happy. I wanted oh, yeah. to go knowing, knowing that my patients would I mean, I can't tell you how happy my patients hug our necks. They give us hugs. They brought us. We had last week, we had one day, we had one guy bring in 30 something sandwich, like Chick-fil-A biscuits. And he brought in hash brown bowls and, and things. We had another person bring in two things of donuts. And we had a third person bring in something. And I was like, and that was like just to, within the first three hours. And I was like, first of all, we need a weight loss, truffles, weight loss. <laughs> For all the food, but there really is, is they're just happy and they love coming to see us. And that's awesome. But Well, I, that's uh, so powerful. And I commend you for doing such great work because you're doing this incredible, you know, diagnostic work, but you're also humanizing the experience. And I do feel like sometimes we've lost that is vascular stenographers. We don't just walk in, do the tests and leave. We actually to sit down and you relate with your patients and especially in the CLTI space of, you know, these patients are going to lose their limb. I, I, uh, my heart is pretty, pretty invested and pretty full with these patients. And, um, so we don't want to forget that human angle for sure. No, that's what makes the difference. I know that's what you do. And, and you got to think about this for you. It's just a test for them. It's the most important test they've ever taken thousand percent in this yes and can you imagine losing your leg i mean so i actually went to the dermatologist for the first time in my life and i felt very violated they looked everything (laughs) and everywhere and i was like i don't have anything i just my wife goes all the time so i figured i need to go once and so i went but one thing that struck me is on the poster it was i didn't know that marvin i'm not marvin gay but bob marley died at age 32 of skin cancer and, and, and somebody had told me, I, I was like, that just struck me. Like, how do you die at 32? Plus he's black. You know, you don't hear about black people getting skin cancer. And of course I don't know anything about dermatology, but the deal was he didn't want to lose his toe. Mm-hmm. So think about that. I mean, you deal with people all the time that are losing limbs and, and I've had people, I, we, in one of the other podcasts, we talk about toes falling off when you take the socks off. 
Yeah. <laughs> and gangrene well, and stuff. I mean, it's like. Yeah. Well, I think that sometimes we lose perspective about the morbidity and mortality rate of these patients. So that losing a toe is just the canary in the mine. And we now know statistically that with a below the knee amputation, they're going to die in three to five years. And when it's an above the knee amputation, it's one to three. So we shouldn't take that lightly. And we are doing everything possible we can to try to save these limbs for that reason. I was about to say, do you, how, how long are patients be able to, well, let's say a typical patient comes in, you know, they got severe tibial artery disease. They've been a diabetic renal failure. That's typical. Is that, is that kind of the classic patient that you see? Yeah. Yeah. Just the diabetic and smoker or a diabetic for sure. And yeah, you're on track. So, so how long, what is, what does it typically look like? How long are people able to live? How long are the interventions lasting? Or are you having to re-intervene every six months or is it what's going yeah. on? Yeah. So we have a, a registry of our limb salvage patients that we covered in our program and the death rate's pretty high. And that's really unfortunate, even with keeping their limb intact you know, think about their cardiovascular disease and um, everything that goes along with that. So they're just sick patients all over, uh, especially these patients with renal failure. It's that's a tough one. But yeah, they even in when we keep their limb, their lifespan is cut short because the disease is so progressive. And we do end up re-intervening as we know, you know, six months, year, either they thrombose their graft or they need to come in because their tibial vessels reoccluded. So, yeah, it's pretty sad. Yeah. Yeah. No, I can imagine that's, there's probably a lot of, that would probably be the hardest part is you develop relationships with people. Yeah. Are there any, do you have any stories like the grossest thing? I know you got some gross stories. Come on. There's somebody who's driving to work. He's going to listen to this and they're eating their bagel and I hope they throw up or something. Tell me, some, <laughs> tell me some gross stories. Cause I've seen your pictures. Yeah, I guess I always love it when you unwrap those uh, dressings and there's maggots in there. Uh, you know, I love it because it's nature taking its course, squirming around in there. And I, as, as sad as the disease is, the worse the wound, the more excited I, <laughs> I unfortunately get. But, you know, we want to do our best to try to save them from just a transmittatorial amputation and give them a better life. Yeah, I mean, so you've had... Probably the grossest is uh, is maggots. I mean, I, I've seen your pictures, man. There's <laughs> <laughs> the other thing I was going to ask you. Do you guys use trophons? Have What's you... that? That means no. <laughs> is that the sterilization probe thing? Yeah, where you stick the probe inside the thing and you sterilize it and stuff. Yeah. I've got I've got one, and I I have it sitting on a bookshelf. We don't use it. We use hydro hydrogen peroxide to to disinfect all our stuff. I don't know our cabs. Yeah. Well. I'll tell you what, now I just use sterile probe covers all the time because I realized a couple of years ago, I was presenting at SVU and I looked, I, someone made a comment about me scanning the feet with no probe cover. And it's not like, I don't know, I wasn't scanning over the wound. I was just getting close, but I'm a lot more cautious now and thoughtful of probe sterilization. No, I mean, I think it's, I don't know how these people like, I mean, the smell is not good either. I mean, you like gangrene? Oh, yeah. I come to love it. <laughs> oh, that's disgusting. For anybody who knows, like gangrene would be the equivalent of if you put a salmon in your trash can three weeks ago 
and it was 90 degrees right now <laughs> 90 degrees out and the smell the juice at the bottom of the that's not as bad as gangrene wet gangrene is, is like i remember the first time you ever smell it it it, it like stays in your nose pores all day like oh yeah you go home you're like oh yeah okay. all right I, I don't mind that smell i i don't like poop smell but i don't mind gangrene no i will say that you you become uh immune to the smells and stuff i i will tell you did you know that <laughs> one of my nurse practitioners she worked in gyn and she told me a story and it made me laugh so hard she said whenever they had patients you know that had uh you know most people don't go to their gyn just for a healthy checkup they either have a smell or something's going on down there so yeah. what they would do is they tape a peppermint to the door and that lets the doctor know like hey it's funky. Hey, better put you the peppermint if you put the peppermint in your mouth it hides the smell and she goes when it's really bad we took we put two peppermints <laughs> so it's a good pro tip. <laughs> so uh, just for any of y'all, when you go to the GYN, just know that if you notice peppermints on your door, mm -hmm. take take care of the house. Anyway. <laughs> oh, sorry. I digress. <laughs> I digress. Well, listen, I, I we don't have any more. I, I, we have a little more. Do you have 10 more minutes? I do. Are you sure? Uh, how about five? Five. Okay, we'll do five minutes. She's got chores to do. It's Saturday. So what do you see for your future and, 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 and where can they find you and hire you to come teach their staff? And I mean, I think you should pay a lot to bring her in, you know, well, how much you do that. you charge? How much do you charge? If I wanted you to come to my facility and you didn't know me, how much do I, how much do you charge? How many days or do you, you don't have to say, uh, you can give a range if you'd like to. Yeah. It's anywhere from, you know, Two to four thousand for all didactic training, hands-on training, uh, follow-up, all the prep. It really, it. You should charge more. <laughs> Maybe I need you as my my nah, business guy. I mean, I think you should charge five. I I, I charge five for two days, and uh, and I'm teaching stuff that people already kind of know. Kind of, I think you should at least charge five, and then yeah, I need to be your business manager. We can make some money. Oh yeah. Cause it's not easy. You're on the West coast. You, a lot of these places are on the East coast. You have to fly. Well, and then honestly with COVID, I just did a lot of uh, education on zoom that you'll just kill me, but it was free because I, yeah, again, I'm so passionate about it. <laughs> you know, I just no want Jill. to no Jill. <laughs> Jill, you can discount it, but yeah. Yeah. No. You have so much information. I mean, the deal is you have an asset that other people need and the world needs. It's no big deal. Listen, these guys are making boatloads of money. How much money do they make on a CLI case? Um, a thousand. Do I? A couple thousand. Yeah. I mean, it depends how many, uh, what the, uh, yeah. yeah. Wires blue. Couple yeah. Thousand, a couple thousand means like a small car. <laughs> okay. So in a facility that's doing three to five cases a week, maybe three to five cases a day, mm -hmm. they can bring you in and pay you enough yeah, to, to yeah, enhance yeah, what they're sure. doing. I mean, a power yeah. injectors, a power injector is like 50 grand. Come on. Yeah. You can do that with your hand or you can use it. So anyway, right. I'm going to pump right. you up. I'm going to change your business strategy. You should get more money, but anyway, um, <laughs> all right. Tell them about how, how they can find you, your Twitter handle and all that stuff. Yeah, so Twitter is just uh, at Jill, Jill Somerset, and 
I, I do have a small LLC, Cascade Ultrasound, that I do my consulting work through and my flow socks through. But I think they can contact you and find me. But it's just jillsomerset at gmail.com and, you know, reach out. I encourage, I have a lot of people on WhatsApp or my texting thread that'll just text a picture of a foot or a waveform. And, and I love that. I think, yeah, I could make a lot of money, but I think I get much more joy out of interacting with people that have the same passion. Now, look, I still get joy out of it, but at sometimes I will say that now, hold up. I got to say this before we stop, because I've had more people try to rip off stuff from me. I mean, we've talked about this in the past. Yeah. I've had people literally, matter of fact, somebody applied to the podcast who tried to rip off my IEC protocols and tried to use them in another state and asked to be a, a guest. I'm like, what the hell, I ain't, you're not going <laughs> to be a guest of mine, but I get ripped off all the time. I had one girl on LinkedIn who took all my website in created her own website with my my images my words everything huh. and she had befriended me and like can you mentor me i'm like you you want me to give you my business for free <laughs> so i do think i do think there's some of that that you have to be you know have you had any of that somebody trying to steal your stuff no i haven't yet actually i think no i should probably keep a, a sharp eye out for it though it's tough i i it, it makes you cynical and i hate being cynical because I've, I've wanted to give, you know, my, my wife was like, Brian, you've been trying to get people to understand for years. And I said, I know, but I, I don't want the guy next door to me to, you know, so sometimes I don't train. It's weird. I don't train like my competitor. <laughs> well, I think there's a, there's a balance out there, right? Because yeah. I, I try to encourage people, you want to do research, do it, but you got to do it right. And so that's why maybe I'm scared for people to use PHT in the wrong way and to publish poor data because they were never validated or don't understand it. So, you know, some of it maybe is I'm being, I have fear that it's going to be misused. That's why I work for free. <laughs> we got to switch that up. <laughs> yeah. You should just, you should get a little bit and give a, you're given a lot. So we can work on that. But anyway, you know, I, I, I do think that I, so we do a lot of iliac vein duplex. We've proven that it's very, very, very mm -hmm. effective, very accurate. And yet again, you have other people that are doing it and they're like, it's not accurate at all. You know, it only is accurate 30% of the time. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? I do want to take a minute though, to say to you that you are, you are a force to be reckoned with because you are so smart. And I think of you every time I do public Venus work is, um, and you know, sometimes I text you like, look at this image in the common femoral vein. <laughs> what do you yeah. think? But I, I, uh, and this is why I, I just really appreciate our friendship and, and collegial relationship is because we, we see eye to eye with passion and drive. So I just got to learn a thing or two from you about business. <laughs> Whatever. No, I mean, the thing is, and that's one of the reasons why I did this podcast is a lot of people like have the wrong idea with business. I think a lot of, especially a lot of doctors who are opening vein centers, they're after ablations. And I'm like, don't focus on that. Don't focus on that. Focus on people. Mm -hmm. You focus on people. You care about people. You, you do the right thing, man. All the other stuff that falls in come. line. Yeah. It'll um, come. And a lot of the, a lot of the docs who start, they want to be, they want to use cheap equipment. Um, they don't want to invest in their staff. They don't want to invest in technology. And that's one thing I was lucky. My, the guy I partnered with, he really didn't know anything better. 
And so I was like, just trust me, I've, I've already done this. And he did. And the other thing is he shares the shine mm-hmm. uh, across. Uh, like we don't advertise my doc. Yeah, we don't, adver- we don't right. advertise. Like- we don't advertise my doctors. And I've got four doctors now and I've got five nurse practitioners. We advertise us a group. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I get put out front because I'm the one who's pushing everybody to, you know, I'm always at one o'clock in the morning posting stuff, but the really, it's not about Brian either. I, the, my favorite thing is when I had somebody the other day go, who are you? And I was like, yes, <laughs> yes. Cause this person doesn't even know that I exist. Mm-hmm. And that means that they are uh, my rest of my staff is doing what they're supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's awesome. All right, listen, I appreciate you joining me, uh, Jill. It's awesome. I can't wait to see you at the SVU National Conference. Let's talk about some business strategies yes. for you in the future. And I don't need to take any. You, you're doing all the work. Uh, Again, catch Jill. at What's your Twitter handle? Jill Somerset. Jill Somerset. Just Jill. Just, just at a, Jill Somerset. You have a blue check? What's that? Uh, you need a blue check mark. That means oh. you're official. So Jill Somerset, J-I-L-L-S-O-M-M-E-R-S-E-T, right? You got it. I I always had it wrong. I always put it like summer, like S-U, but Mm -hmm. summer, two M's. All right. Check her out on on, uh, line. Uh, Connect with me and I'll connect you with her. Pay her well. She'll come and change your life when it comes to critical ischemia. And thank you for listening to the Hey Moo Frere podcast. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Hey Moo Frere podcast. For the show notes, transcripts, and downloads of the things that we've covered, visit heymoofrerepodcast.com.